Knoxville Tower, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, taxi via Alpha Taxiway. No delay, wind 2904, runway 23 left at Alpha 8, clear for takeoff, traffic 3 mile final. Read back correct, tower for taxi, have a good flight. Welcome to From the Runway Up. I'm Becky. And I'm Caitlin. And we work in the Public Relations Department at McGee Tyson Airport in Knoxville, Tennessee. We understand that going behind the scenes in an airport these days isn't as easy as it used to be. So that's where this podcast comes in. Each episode, we'll give you a behind-the-scenes look of current events at our airport and in the aviation industry as a whole. So fasten your safety belts and join us on this aviation adventure. Welcome to this episode of From the Runway Up. Today, we are going to be talking about the upcoming travel season. It is a very busy time at airports across the country, and even here at McGee Tyson Airport. We are seeing incredible growth, but it's going to be extra busy starting at the holiday travel season with Thanksgiving through the end of the year. Yeah, and we always say that this time of year is one of the busiest travel times of the year, but I feel like we started in spring break, then summer travel was really busy, then the fall travel was really busy, and now we're at the holidays. So busy has definitely been the theme. (laughs) It has been. And thank you for flying through our airport. If you're listening and you've flown through Megitas, and thank you, thank you, thank you. Yes. But, you know, more people are flying during the holiday travel season in a more condensed time frame. And so if you are traveling, just definitely keep that in mind when you're flying out of McGee Tyson Airport. Yeah, especially during Thanksgiving, which Mm -hmm. is just coming up. And we will see a heavy, heavy load of people flying out on that Tuesday, Wednesday time frame. Mm -hmm. And then on the Monday following, sometimes even Sunday Sunday. night, Mm -hmm. um, we see a lot of people in line. So we like to say pack your patience (laughs) during the holidays because we will have longer lines. There'll be more people traveling. One of the important things I think people don't think about when they're traveling and there's more people traveling is there's more bags. And so there's more Mm -hmm. luggage that are being packed and there's a greater chance that something might happen. So you want to make sure that you take your medications with you, anything that you need that's important the day you get there in your carry-on, just to make sure that you have those in case your bag's delayed, just because so many bags are going too. More people, more bags. Well, and TSA does a really good job too. You know, whenever you're flying for the holidays, maybe you're bringing some food or some jams or something, or maybe you're bringing that bag some leftovers back home. TSA does a really good job on their website and they have this tool where you can type in, you know, can I bring a pumpkin pie through the checkpoint or can I bring jelly or, you know, anything. (laughs) And they will say if you can bring it in your checked or your carry-on bag. So if you are flying, you know, even with some gifts that you're concerned if they can go through the checkpoint, TSA has a really good tool to help you do that. And that's TSA.gov. When you go on there, you can find that. And we'll link that in our show notes as well. We'll make sure. And another thing that about the gifts is sometimes people are traveling and they're only going to go to visit their family one time a year. So they may be taking some things that are wrapped. Don't wrap them if you're taking through the checkpoint because sometimes the metallic paper, the wire ribbons, that actually can cause a problem when you're going through the checkpoint. So don't wrap anything because we'd hate to mess up a beautiful wrapping job. And if you're using that really pretty wire ribbon and then they have to unwrap it, I would be really upset (laughs) because that took a lot of time. So warning, warning. (laughs) (laughs) So the airport does a whole lot Besides just prepare for the number of people who come through, we like to create an environment for the holidays to make people feel that special feeling that we get around this time of year. Mm-hmm. And one of the things we do is Sounds of the Season. And we have been hosting that program for decades. Way over, yeah. 
a long time. Yeah. <laughs> and it's where area choral groups, they come out and they perform at different times of the day. Most of the time it's between 9 a.m. and 2 p.m. because school is still in session. Mm-hmm. So they come out on their bus, but they perform. And it's just, I don't know, you can't help it. You get in the spirit you of do. the holidays. You just really do. And you just want to travel to see people and, 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 and come out and see those kids with their smiling faces. It just makes it makes the whole season better. And we typically have around um, probably 10 to 25 groups in the first two weeks of December. Becky mentioned school groups. We also have really, really talented senior groups that come out oh, yeah. to perform that will like move you to tears. They are so, yeah. they're so good. A lot of people are traveling. Sometimes traveling in the holidays can be hectic. And that is one of the things I think that just kind of makes you stop, take a breath and really remember why you're traveling. And it's really nice. And one of the groups you mentioned, the seniors that go around, one of them are magical and they actually carol like old time caroling. It really is a fun time at the airport. Yeah. And then other things that we do include just decorating the facility Mm -hmm. so that it feels like the holidays. And you don't really think about the time that it takes to decorate a terminal, but all of the bows and all of the ornaments and all of the decorations are a little bit bigger. Yeah. (laughs) So it does take some time to do that, but that puts people in the traveling the holiday spirit as well. Big shout out to all of our people who help install that because that's in addition to what they do every day. So we appreciate them doing that. They're but, covered in glitter after they leave that <laughs> yeah, day. It's and they nice. love it. Yeah, love it. And so they want to run home and do their own decorating after yep. that. Well, one of the best things that I think that we do for the holidays is to bring awareness to some of the nonprofits in our area that do a lot for the people in our community, in our region even. And we do that through a program called Cheritrees. Yes, Cheritrees is located, if you're familiar with Mickey Tyson Airport, it's located on the lower level terminal building right outside of baggage claim. We call it our hall of inspirational trees. And so there's 10 to 15 trees lined up. And as Becky mentioned, what we do is we allow nonprofit organizations from our region to decorate those trees in a way that represent their organization and their mission. And so it is an amazing sight to see whenever you are coming out of baggage claim or whenever you're picking up a loved one, you can just take a second and look at those trees and just be reminded of all the good work that people in our community are doing year round. Yeah. And these are not arbitrarily chosen. These are Mm -hmm. people that have been with us for a long time yes, uh, because they either have some kind of connection to the airport or they are someone who is very prominent in our community who are doing a lot to make a difference. And we're just really proud and thankful that they have chosen to participate in our program year after year. Yes. And as I mentioned, we have, depending on the year, we have 10 to 15 nonprofit organizations that um, we highlight and I'm not going to try to list them all because I would forget them, yeah. but we will list them on our show notes page. So you all can take a look at all the organizations that are participating this year. But I'm trying to think of nonprofits that have been with us every year in Cherry Trees. And one that comes to mind is the Maryville Kiwanis decorates a tree for their Imagination Library program. And they put the books all over the tree. They do, yes. Sometimes the books disappear. But we're okay because somebody is reading those. Yes. Star, which is Shangri-La Therapeutic Academy of Writing. They decorate a tree. And it's so cute. It has little horse treats and it has different things. So it's very interesting. Yep. And another one of my favorite trees is decorated by um, the Blue and Gold Star Mothers of East Tennessee. It is such a special tree that honors those that have lost their lives in military combat. And if you fly through the airport during the holiday travel season, you have got to stop and look at that tree. Yeah. And there's so much in that area. We would love for anybody to come out and visit it. It's in the public area. You don't even have to be flying out. But the goal of the program is to really educate people on what goes on in our community and how they can help, either through volunteering or through donations. And 
just really giving the exposure that these organizations have earned and deserve. That brings up a good point, too. Some of the organizations that we do feature are nationwide organizations. So whether people are flying in from home and they live somewhere else, you know, they can learn more about these organizations and get plugged in back home. Today, we're going to be talking with two of those organizations. Mm -hmm. Yep. So first, we are going to hear from Big Brothers and Big Sisters of East Tennessee. Yeah. So my name is Brent Wan. I'm the CEO at Big Brothers, Big Sisters of East Tennessee. Um, I am from East Tennessee originally. I moved around the country a little bit, and my wife and I came back to this area about three years ago. So I'm thrilled to be back in East Tennessee, and I am a frequent user of the airport for sure. So we like to travel a lot. Well, we thank you for that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Um, We are big travelers, and my wife actually travels for work, so we, we we love it. The organization I work for is Big Brothers Big Sisters of East Tennessee, and we actually make matches between bigs and little. So we're an affiliate of the nation's oldest and largest youth mentoring organization, and we make one-to-one uh, mentoring matches that that you know we're really excited about. We have two main programs: one's our community-based program, and then our other program is our site-based program. And we're always in recruitment mode, always looking for bigs, and it's an exciting program. I was a big brother myself to my little brother Eli. We were matched. He's actually aged out of the program now. He's just turned 20. Not long after my wife and I got back to Knoxville, I got to see him graduate high school from Carter. And so that was really exciting for me as well. So how old was he when, sorry, that's what I was going to ask. Oh, how old? (laughs) Yeah. So we first met when he was uh, nine years old. We met actually right around uh, Halloween when he was nine. And uh, I remember the first meeting we had, which Big Brothers Big Sisters calls your match meeting. He invited me to come trick or treat with him, which I wasn't able to do though. Oh no. But we had lots of hanging out time after that. And he is a, He's a great kid. We we were matched until my wife and I moved, and then we kept in touch after that and have also been in touch since I've been back in town as well. So one of the great things about Big Brothers Big Sisters is it's such a deep impact in the community, and I think so many of our volunteers say that they learn as much through the process as the youth that they mentor learn. So that's a really neat thing. And then truly, uh, the relationships that we make are relationships for life. So even if Eli and I don't talk for a few months or you know aren't able to get together, you know I always know that he's my friend and I'm his friend, and my family all knows Eli. I know all his family. So it becomes such a special relationship that's made through this organization. And I love that. And you all are celebrating a big milestone. We are. uh, Well, 50 years. Yep. Yep. So we, Big Brothers Big Sisters of East Tennessee will turn 50 in 2020. We are very excited about that. Our goal in our 50th year is to make a thousand matches that year. So to serve a thousand kids in that year. So we are really excited about our 50th anniversary. Over the past few years, we've had an event called our Hall of Fame and Scholarship event. And through that event, we've really gotten to recognize and connect with people who are instrumental in the founding of the organization. We've been able to connect with previous CEOs. And so 2020 will really truly be just a celebration of Big Brothers, Big Sisters, of the people who have made this organization what it is. And we're really excited about it. And we're really excited about the sort of rallying cry for serving more youth in the community in honor of our 50th anniversary as well. And so if our listeners want to be one of those thousand volunteers, how do they do that? It's very, very easy. You go to TennesseeBig.org and there's a volunteer link. There is a process to become a big. It's not something that happens overnight. We like to be really upfront about that. And so if you are interested in becoming a big brother or big sister, you first fill out an interest form. We'll do a call with you. um, And then you'll go through a process of an orientation, an interview. We do references and we do a background check. And then I like to act like it's overnight, but after, you know, usually a couple months, uh, you have a match meeting, which is where you get to go. If it's a school-based or site-based match, you go to a school or to a site. If it's a community-based, you go to your little's home and you 
you get to meet them. But then after that, the process is just beginning. So we have a whole team dedicated to supporting that match. And so we call you every month. We provide activities for bigs and littles. And we also, it's really important, we're a really outcomes-focused uh, organization. And so it's really important that we check up on your goals and make sure that the match is really accomplishing what it was set out to do. So we have a team that really supports you and helps you every step of the way. It's, it's really neat. Our match support team really gets to know the families that we serve. So I can mention a mom, a dad, a grandparent, you know, whoever it may be, and they'll know what they, what's been going on in their life, what their job is, you know, if they had car trouble, if they got a promotion, they know it all. And same thing for our mentors. Our staff know them well and, and know what they do for a living, know what they're interested in, know what their hobbies are. Because the other piece of the match is making sure that the bigs and littles are well matched. And so we want to make sure that a big and a little have similar hobbies, have similar goals in life, possibly have similar backgrounds. So that, that kind of goes into the whole thing that I say where it really is a process to become a, a mentor through our program. That sounds so exciting. And so some of our listeners aren't in East Tennessee. This is a much bigger organization. So the process is the same in different communities around the country? Absolutely. So for listeners that are outside East Tennessee, um, we are part of Big Brothers Big Sisters of America. I can't say that we're in every single county throughout the U.S., but we are in a lot of counties, and that includes both urban and rural. So if you're not from a city, that's okay. You can still become a big. And actually, the Big Brothers Big Sisters, if you Google Big Brothers Big Sisters of America, that website, if you enter your zip code in, can connect you with the organization that serves your area. So for listeners in East Tennessee, for listeners anywhere, you can become a mentor. What about Russia? We do have some listeners in Russia. I don't know about <laughs> Russia. We hear you, Russia. But I, I do know we're really connected with Canada. So if oh, you have a Canadian, I know there's a Big Brothers Big Sisters of Canada and you can connect with them as well. So absolutely. Maybe Russia is an untapped market. Yep, it, it absolutely could be. Yep, yep, absolutely. I, I should know that. I don't know all the countries we're in, actually, but I do know that I know we got Canada covered for the Canadian listeners. We'll just keep that in mind. Yeah, Russia's uh, our goal for 2020 is in honor of our 50th. Yeah, we'll follow back up. Okay, so we are here to learn more about Big Brothers and Big Sisters, but also as a part of the holiday programming we do at Mickey Tyson Airport, we host Chair Trees, and we've talked a little bit about that already, but can you talk a little bit about Big Brothers Big Sisters' participation in Chair Trees, why you do it, why it's fun, and kind of what travelers can expect this year for your tree to look like? Absolutely. So first of all, let me say this. Our staff loves the holiday season. So anything holiday related, our team is really going to be on board about. One of the reasons we participate in Chair Trees is because as a youth organ- serving organization that always needs mentors, it's really important that we get our mission and our vision out as much as possible and in as many ways as possible. And we think that this is a really neat opportunity to get involved and to, to be visible and also to talk about our mission. Um, in previous years, we've had, um, last year, we actually, as an organization nationally, we rebranded. And so last year, we were able to feature our new branding. So the Chair Tree was one of the first places people could have seen our new logo. Oh, cool. Um, which was, yeah, really neat. Yeah. And so the staff member who takes point on this project was very excited to feature our new logo. Um, so some of some of the people who saw Chair Trees last year were the first people to see that. This year, you know, we've talked about some ideas. And I can tell you this, I could say that we're not telling you on the podcast because we want to leave a little intrigue, but truly we're not sure, we're not entirely sure what we're doing this year. But the thing that we have most closely landed on is we have a, at Big Brothers Big Sisters in our agency, we have what we call a craft club. And so our thought has been possibly having our bigs and littles create the ornaments this year. Oh, that'd be great. And so have them create the ornaments and hang them up. So that's one thing that I talked uh, to our staff member who's involved with this. And and our whole team is truly involved. Last year, it was a team effort with uh, getting the logos and the colors printed just right, getting them attached to the ornaments. And so this year, it will once again be a team effort. 
offer, but we, we really like to do things that feature the talents and the creativity of the, the matches that we have. And so I think that that's something that we're definitely going to look at for, for uh, 2019. I always like your tree because I think one year it was man up. It was purple, very colorful. Then last year was your new logo rebranding. Right. And then this year I'm excited to see what you all come up with. Yeah. And we're excited as well. We have had some introductory conversations and it'll be great, whatever it is. And it'll definitely, one of the biggest things we always try to do is make sure we focus on our mission and also focus on recruiting. So it'll, it will definitely be a spotlight on our mission for sure. Well, and that's one of the whole purposes of the territories program is to make sure that we're highlighting the things that are going on in our community in ways that people can engage during a time of the year that they generally look for ways to engage with people. So uh, just having almost 200,000 people walk by your tree is a good way to get that message out. Right. And whenever people walk by your tree, what is something, what's the one thing that you hope they recognize or they, they get from your tree? You know, I think in previous years, it would have been, you know, purple was our color, last year green, just what our organization is and, and the fact that we're here and we're in the community and we're in communities across the country. I think for this year, one thing that we're really looking at is to really spotlight the the special nature of the relationships that we make between a big and a little. And so to me, the holidays are all about special relationships. They're all about connections with family, connections with friends. My family talks all the time about how important it is to focus on time during the holidays. And so I think that one thing I would love for people to see when they see our tree this year is just big brothers, big sisters make special one-to-one relationships. And this tree sort of highlights that and shows that to people who are walking by it. Okay. My last question was about any like success stories. Do you have any? So I I did have to check with our teammate who is usually in the airport creating our territory. And so she had two really cool success stories. So one of our, one of the success stories from our territory, and this was, uh, I don't think it was last year. I think it was a couple years ago was that um, a man uh, saw her decorating our tree. I think it was probably for the man up campaign that we did and um, donated on the spot. And then another cool one is last year, um, a photographer was coming through the, she was a photographer. She was coming to, I think, um, the Gatlinburg Pigeon Forge area to take pictures. And um, so she connected. She actually was interested in donating. And then she also donated a bunch of supplies to our organization, which we've talked about Craft Club a little bit, and they ultimately could be used for Craft Club for our littles. So it's kind of neat to think that we don't usually have clear calls to action on a tree. It's really more about celebrating our organization and about celebrating the special relationships we make. But in two cases, people have stopped and either made a donation or inquired and connected with us later. And I think one of the important things to mention about chair trees, and, and you guys have kind of hit on this is, at least for us, we're an organization that spans the country. And so you may not be from Knoxville when you fly into Knoxville, but you know you can still support the organizations and you can still connect with the organizations. And in many cases, connect with them back at home as well. And those are just two stories that you know of. You know, oh, I'm sure we there hope so that there's more. a lot more. I'm absolutely. sure there's a lot more. Yeah, 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 yeah absolutely. <laughs> and we, I will say this, so we, we do track our recruitment efforts. And so we don't have a specific chair trees line like of box. like, yeah, we don't have a chair trees box of like, how did you find out about us? But maybe we should add that too. <laughs> for yeah. 2020, yeah, for yeah. all of your... Yeah, then it'd just be off the charts. So. Right. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm you sure. need to add a chair trees box and then a podcast, you yes. know, our podcast box. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, Brent, thank you so much for being on our podcast today. We really appreciate that and all that you do for our community. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. And I also really appreciate you guys shining a light on the really important work that so many nonprofits are doing um, in communities here and in communities around the country. So thank you so much for having me. And now we're joined by Elaine Streno, the executive director of Second Harvest Food Bank. So I have been executive director of Second Harvest Food Bank of East Tennessee for 27 years. And it's been like a child to me. I have two children and then the food bank. Yeah. (laughs) 
I never thought I would have been at Second Harvest for as long as I have, but we've been very blessed to have this community support. So I'm grateful to have this position. Yeah. And so tell us a little bit about Second Harvest. What is its mission and what does it do for our region? So Second Harvest is almost like a distribution center in the fact that we have eight different feeding programs and we are distributing food to agencies and schools in 18 counties. Right now, we're providing 1.1 million meals a month in our 18 county service area through our eight different feeding programs. They all look different. They all feel different. But we have a beautiful warehouse in Blount County in Maryville and Alcoa and um, an 80,000 square foot warehouse that has increased our efficiency so much. That warehouse is distributing food in throughout our service area, 18 counties. 1.1 million. That's a lot. Yeah. That's a lot of good going to homes and, and to families in our area. It is. And we do it via partners. We that we do get calls for food and we'll give people a box of food, but we send them to our agencies. We send them to our partners because we are not a pantry per se. We have warehouse equipment and forklifts and it just doesn't feel right that people would have to come there because we. I just don't think we're, we'd operate it as a safe pantry. So we send them to a pantry in their zip code and then hopefully they get the food they need. Yeah. And how do you determine that? How, what agency you partner with? So you said you had quite a few. How do you determine who is a partner of Second Harvest? Great question. So we are part of Feeding America, which is a network of affiliates throughout the United States. Feeding America requires us as uh, almost like to police an agency. So the partner that we have has to have their own 501c3 or it be a church pantry. We have to go and visit that pantry, make sure the food is safe. It's being stored safely, what they're doing with the food, almost monitoring in a way because Feeding America requires that the agencies do with the food what they're supposed to do. And so that's how that all works. It's a pretty stringent um, application, but we have about 260 partners that distribute food directly to the needy in a County. That's great. And so you mentioned those eight programs that you all have. What is a big initiative that you all are really focusing on right now at Second Harvest? So we have a senior feeding program that we've kicked off in the last couple of years, and we're partnering with Ethra in Claiborne and Campbell County and actually distributing the food directly to seniors that are living in Claiborne and Campbell County that can't get to a pantry. So Ethra has the van and we put a lot of food in the van and then it's taken to seniors who either can't drive or don't have a family person. They, they're not able to get out of the house. So we're very excited about that. The other new program we have is called our Fresh Pantry. It's been um, collaboration with a, a company in Knoxville that's very, very good to us, Bush Brothers. So they purchased a big truck, Fresh Pantry truck, and we are taking fresh food um, because it's refrigerated to food desert areas, food yeah. desert sites. We had our first one in East Knoxville, and it was very successful. It was a few weeks ago. So we're customizing what we do for this community, if that makes sense. It does. And you mentioned food deserts. That's a term that I'm just now becoming familiar with. So can, uh, for the listeners who are listening in today, that might be a new term. Can you explain a little bit what that is? Uh, Yes. It it doesn't have a grocery store. It's it's an area that doesn't have a grocery store. It might have some convenience stores, but convenience stores are very expensive. They don't have a lot of produce there. We really focus on healthy product at Second Harvest. Back in the old days, the whole Food Bank Network was started because so much food was being thrown away. So back in the old days when I started, it was all donated food. We never knew what we were getting and we had to really change our business plan to 
by the food that we need and certainly by healthy food. Mainly what's donated these days, about 70% of our inventory is purchased. 30% is still donated and it's still a lot of junk food. So we struggle with that, but we do serve group homes and Florence Crittenden for an example. And you know, everybody needs a good Snickers now and then as far as I'm I know I do. I I get really hangry. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, me too. So we try to, we never want to put junk food in a pantry bag. We'll give it to a group home or something like that. And so how many deserts do we have in this area? I don't know the answer to that, but I would say it would be close to 50. I'm going to guess. Wow, that's a lot. Well, think about the 18 county service area. There's rural. I mean, there are beautiful mountains, as we all know and love in East Tennessee, but that creates not a lot of churches, not a lot of convenience stores to have pantries there. So it's, um, I would venture to say 50 or more, 50 in 18 counties. Wow. Carnes can be a food desert, one area of Carnes, because there's rural parts and there's just a little convenience store in that area. So we consider Carnes to have. So that's kind of yeah. crazy, right? Yeah. yeah. You don't yeah. think about it. One of the more urban areas and it still doesn't have access to a grocery store like other parts of our community. So let's talk a little bit about chair trees. So you all have participated in chair trees since our very first since the beginning. Year. Yeah. So why do you, other than us begging and pleading and asking you to, <laughs> why do you all participate in chair trees each year? Well, it's an honor, of course, to participate. Um, you have so many travelers coming through. You know how busy your airport is. And it's so great when I come and see our tree there because we're a lot of people still don't understand Second Harvest, that we're a distribution center on eight different feeding programs. So if it tweaks anybody's interest to look at the tree and go, hmm, wonder what Second Harvest is or what do they do? That's one reason. But I always just get a kick about, and our staff does coming over and decorating it and just having it here for the holidays. The holidays are very busy time for us. So we just love any kind of recognition we get. So it might move someone to donate. And that's the goal of the program from our perspective too, is to make people aware of all the things that go on in our area and all the special kind of work that you do and the other groups that participate in the program to raise awareness. And hopefully it leads to things that make contributions or volunteers or bring people people in to have conversations about some of the issues that our community is facing. And and this is a very giving community. We have a generous East Tennessee, beautiful, loyal, supportive community. And um, I just love the fact that we're all lined up together and partnering with each other. And and then so many people visit from out of state, out of the country even. And and I love that somebody might see it go, oh, I wonder what they do. Yeah. And do you have any specific success stories that you could share with our listeners about your chair tree? Well, we did get a call from from some people that saw it a few years ago. I think it was the first year and they wanted to volunteer. Oh, great. So that was great. We have a very prominent and very busy volunteer program because we um, don't have to have a lot of the security um, components like a Boys and Girls Club has to have or Big Brothers, Big Sisters. A lot of research in the back to make sure the volunteers are what they need. So we have groups. We have Sunday school classes. We have corporations coming in because, you know, we just have this beautiful facility that we didn't build. Yeah. To make sure everybody knows that because it's so nice. But we have about 3,000 volunteers at Second Harvest. Some come once a week, some come once a year, but they contribute about 20,000 hours of volunteers. So that was a cool thing. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things I love the most about chair trees is seeing all of our different organizations, seeing how they decorate the trees. So in previous years, I know your decorations have been one of my favorites because you actually used paper plates and had the people that you feed actually write their testimonies on those paper plates. And it makes me just want to tear up even thinking about it 
but I love that. Are you all going to use those this year? Will you use different decorations? Well, I haven't talked to what we're doing, but if they move you, then we'll do it again. We have so many um, of our kids that do our Food for Kids weekend feeding backpack program. They, you know, they love to color and write. Mm -hmm. And um, so I'll tell Savannah to make sure we do that. Yeah. I think it makes a lot of impact just saying it personalizes your tree. These are people that are receiving Mm -hmm. the benefit of your program. So I think it makes a lot of difference. Yeah. I I think our community, as we talked earlier, they stumble over how come there are so many people that need food. And we talked earlier, the um, drug issues and emotional and mental illness and so many homes that have just dysfunction there. And one thing this community is very decent and committed to Second Harvest is to feed these children that live in these environments. They're, you know, they're God's children and Mm -hmm. no child should go hungry in East Tennessee or in the country as far as I'm concerned. Well, and you're doing something about it. So thank you. I appreciate that. Well, thank you. I couldn't do it without the support or we couldn't do it without the support of this community and opportunities like this to tell the story. So thanks for having me. It's amazing how much these organizations make a difference in the lives of the people that they serve. And just listening to them talk about all the things that they do for kids, for families, Mm -hmm. for the people of our area, the seniors, it just warms your heart, especially during the holiday season. It does. And hearing from just two of these nonprofit organizations, hopefully that sparks your interest in those organizations and in the other organizations that participate in Chair Trees. So we definitely encourage you during this busy holiday travel time, just take a minute, learn more about the nonprofits that are doing good in our community. And thank you for flying through McGeetas. And if you're flying through this holiday season, hopefully this podcast gave you a little bit of insight on how to do that and gave you a few tips that maybe will help you along the way. Yep. And we'll be entertaining you while you visit. 